Now is the time and wherever you are is the place. The Citadel makes it easier to earn your degree by offering master's degrees, graduate certificates, and undergraduate degree completion programs that are entirely online. Flexible scheduling makes these programs convenient for working professionals. Online classes are held to the same high standards that consistently name the Citadel the number one master's granting public college in the South. The Citadel. Online. On your time. Visit citadel.edu slash online. <laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. Mr. President, could you tell us to what degree Gary and Shannon helped to shape your views on this national emergency? I, I would talk about it. Look, Gary Hoffman has been a terrific, terrific. I think he's a great guy. Shannon Farron. I don't know her. She's off the reservation, but anybody that knows her understands that. Gary and Shannon. They did a great report of me. I say, where the hell did that come from? So I just want to thank everybody. I want to wish Gary and Shannon great luck and speed and enjoy your life. And thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you. the money money in the power get it minute you, after minute you tell everybody what they can win in a few minutes hey coming up at 20 after the hour thereabout, we're gonna be giving away a thousand dollars so keep on listening so you know when that's happening awesome like you're doing a great job today are we all gonna sing songs today is that what we're gonna do oh for some yes. reason i don't even remember how it started but lauren's birthday is tomorrow right and uh, a couple of years ago, I sang a song for her, and she wants a song again, and it's a Disney song. So, and you—it's already been—it's already been determined. We you, just have to figure uh, out when we're going to do it. You just spent the last five minutes tuning Not a five up. minutes song. Well, all right, three minutes you were singing for uh, tuning up the old uh, vocal cords there. Yes. And I got to say, Lauren is in for a treat, as we all are, when you decide to uncork that monster. Uh, next hour, we're going to talk about Gavin Newsom. And by the way, I don't like to toot my own horn, at least not in public. I usually do that in private when no one's around. What Gavin Newsom, the state of the state address, he did not pull the plug on high-speed rail. And I said it immediately while he was still talking about it. You were the only I one said who said that. Everyone else ran with the headline that he's ditching high-speed rail and it was repeated and retweeted and repeated and everything. And now he's saying Gary Hoffman was right. There's, I didn't pull the plug on this. I don't know where that came from. That was the media. Ugh, it's it's so it's frustrating because now people are people were giving him credit for this at the state of the state. Oh, congratulations! He's finally come to it. I really didn't vote for him, but boy, that's the it's best because decision nobody he's ever made. Listens, oh, nobody so listens. Frustrating. I'm going to tell you some final words, and it's very sad. My battery is low, and it's getting dark. Those were the final words of the Mars rover opportunity, and I know that hit you hard. 
when we found out that opportunity had died. Because I am an empath. And then I saw the final words today, and it hit, har- it hit harder. My battery is low, and it's getting dark. Very dusty up here. I can barely see your face anymore. But enjoy your life, everybody. What the hell was that? Uh, (laughs) I mean, listen, I think it's kind of refreshing when this guy goes off the rails because there's so many canned speeches, so many like like Gavin Newsom's state of the state. Right. It's just nobody listens. Everyone's eyes are just kind of glassed over this guy. This president goes off the teleprompter and promptly goes off the rails. And he he's bouncing around from topic to topic, Kim Jong-un to China and it was something to behold, was it not? The whole thing only needed to take about 15 minutes. This whole announcement today in the Rose Garden that the president was going to sign the spending bill and declare a national emergency at the border so that he can get his, money for it. He loses his train of thought, and he it's like a squirrel, you know, and he changes directions, and it's all over the place. It was, it was a pretty amazing... Uh, uh, News conference. Yeah, I haven't figured out the word for it yet. I don't think amazing is it, but there's definitely a word to describe that. (laughs) Well, here was his discussion about why it is, in fact, he decided to go this route. Allow the Congress to come up with a plan to keep the government open through September, but still declare that national emergency. I got almost $1.4 billion when I wasn't supposed to get $1, not $1. He's not going to get $1. Well, I got $1.4 billion, but I'm not happy with it. See, and that's where he declares a win, right? This new spending bill that's got $1.375 billion offered for that fencing in Texas. It was kind of uh, an olive branch, if you will, to the president. And he's declaring a win there because not only is gonna, did he uh, get the Democrats to put that in there, but now he's going to go ahead and unilaterally secure the rest of it. Yeah, the the unilateral part is the thing that's getting a lot of people in um, uh, he- giving a lot of people headaches, I should say, because the executive action to do this, the, the the power of the president to declare a national emergency is well established. The question is, can he do it in an event or a, a situation like this where even though the president has been talking about the dangers along the southern border and even Democrats have used the term humanitarian crisis – they're using it to describe different aspects of it. But but does this qualify as a national emergency? And does that national emergency declaration allow the president to take money that had been allocated for other other things and reallocate it on his own for border security? That is the difference between this emergency declaration and all the ones that we've seen in the past go through without any problem in the courts. There have been emergency declarations by Obama, by Bush. Bill Clinton did it 17 times. But these emergency declarations did not use emergency powers to pay for projects that Congress wasn't going to put their stamp on. The Constitution clearly says that Congress holds the purse straps. So here we've got a bit of a constitutional crisis going on. Is the president's power and his uh, ability to declare emergency declaration, does that usurp, is that the word? Usurp. Usurp the Congress's constitutional right to control the money and the spending? 
that's going to be the question that plays its way all up to the Supreme Court. Yeah, so he talked about that, and he talked about knowing that once he left the podium today in the Rose Garden, he's going to jump right back into the Oval Office, sign whatever paperwork he has to sign for the declaration, and then it was going to go to court, likely. I'll sign the final papers as soon as I get into the Oval Office, and we will have a national emergency, and we will then be sued, and they will sue us in the Ninth Circuit, uh, even though it shouldn't be there. And we will possibly get a bad ruling, and then we'll get another bad ruling, and then we'll end up in the Supreme Court, and hopefully we'll get a fair shake, and we'll win in the Supreme Court. Just like the ban, they sued us in the Ninth Circuit, and we lost, and then we lost in the appellate division, and then we went to the Supreme Court, and we won. Here's what this guy does. a lot of ending this statement on a high note. This guy Uh. goes to court. And he's willing to this run is this. what he has done his entire career. Take people to court. Litigation has been the name of his game for decades. It does not scare him off. Saying that you're going to be sued, that you're going to have to go through the courts, does not scare this man off because routinely he has been successful in court. Well, this is a. I mean, um, and unsuccessful at times along the way. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned the 2020 candidates and Democrats running for president and whether or not this is going to be an issue that they're going to use to try to win the election. There are a couple things that play in his favor here. And number one is we know that Congress is going to challenge this, whether they file a lawsuit, uh, if they can determine standing to, so that they can file a lawsuit. If Congress is going to file either their own lawsuit or join a lawsuit from somebody else who does have standing and put the power of the Congress behind this. That's we know that that is going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Now, when this gets caught up in the courts, even if it goes directly to the Supreme Court, you're still talking about the potential for months and maybe even years before this wall is completed, the the amount that he wants to do. So then you're dragging into the 2020 presidential campaign and this is an issue where he can stand up there on the campaign trail and say obstructionist democrats are allowing this thing to be delayed in the courts for the sole purpose of allowing people to come across the border illegally so the money that he is going to free up cannot be spent until the courts sign off on this from what i read well especially if they issue an injunction right away which is which is likely what a court would do immediately right So that's why it's going to drag on and drag on. Here's the other angle that isn't getting a hell of a lot of play. What happens when a Democrat's elected president and say, say the courts rule in favor of the president and they rule that his presidential powers to declare this national emergency and to go against Congress, and he gets the final say in in the way that the country spends money over Congress, which is, again, in violation of the Constitution, and I don't see that happening. But say the court signs off on that. Say the Supreme Court says the presidential power is greater than the Congress, than that branch. What happens, what precedent does that set when a Democrat is elected president, and then suddenly that Democrat has that overall power? Uh, and, And Marco Rubio said it today. They can use the exact same tactic, the the Democrats, to impose the Green New Deal. They can declare a national emergency and uh, put that into place. I mean, it's a really dangerous precedent 
to give one branch that kind of power, right. stripping another branch of its, you know, crowning jewel. Well, the the issue that I've heard used uh, in that argument is for Republicans saying, listen, if we give this power to this president, the next president or the next Democratic president is going to use a national emergency declaration to put controls on gun sales or to overreach on I mean, that the gun sales is the one that I've heard the most often used in terms of we wow. have to be very yeah. careful about how we do this. I think about that because that, they could clearly declare a national emergency. Right. And, and again, shooting. if nothing else, all they need to do is get an injunction at some point somewhere in the court system that allows them to impose whatever restriction. And I, and I don't, you know, it's such a patchwork of rules around the, the, the nation, but a federal restriction on gun sales for a certain amount of time, whatever it might be, could you imagine oh, the political fallout wow. of that? And that, that's that's what they're worried about. It is but something along thing. those lines. But here's the thing: if that happened, the the political fallout would still punish Democrats. It wouldn't go back to to President Trump. All the people that that can't buy guns anymore wouldn't say, "Oh, damn that Trump." They would just hate and hate and hate the Democrats even more for for using a power that right. was exercised first by this president, yeah. or at least. In terms of using the money, yeah. he's not the first to declare a national emergency, clearly. Incredible. Marco Rubio uh, is is saying that we do have a crisis at our southern border, but no crisis justifies violating the Constitution. Uh, Susan Collins, another Republican that doesn't agree, saying that declaring a national emergency for this purpose would be a mistake on the part of the president. And it is dubious when... When it comes to the Constitution, there are going to be plenty of people, by the way, who fight against this on the Republican side of the aisle who do not like this, do not like the National Declaration of Emergency. They do not want the president to have the power to do this in terms of using this money that's already been allocated and bringing it in to spend for the border wall. There are some winners in all of this. There are some winners in the way this has been handled and the way that this has sussed out in the last couple of weeks. Federal workers, clearly. I mean, we're all talking about, and this is is mainly centered on, the issue of border security because of the wall and because the president made it an issue. But federal workers, for the first time in a couple of years, are guaranteed nine months of employment, which we haven't seen in a long time. This is a long spending bill. It's not what it should be, but still it funds the government through September 30th, which is good news. The other thing is, when you get into some of the weeds of this 1,200-page bill, immigration activists got a whole lot more than you think. I know that they, uh, Democrats, did give the president a million, uh, sorry, a billion and a half or 1.4 billion in terms of spending on border barriers. But there's a whole lot more that they got as well. Oversight, inspection of customs and border protection facilities and immigration and customs enforcement facilities. The inspector general now does regular checks on detention facilities. They actually argued a lower number of detainees in the ICE system. I think there's almost 50,000 currently in detention centers, uh, suspected illegal aliens who are waiting for their court processes. By the end of uh, September, at the end of this spending bill, they lowered that number to 40,000. How do you do that? Do you just we've, – I mean, we've dealt with prison number reduction in California, and we've seen how we do that. We just let them out. So now we're saying we want to reduce the number of people in detention in federal facilities by 10,000 in the next several months. Are we just going to let them out? 
Are we just going to go back to where we were, where you get a free ticket and, uh, hey, we'll see you in June, maybe, when your court date is. Hey, if not, have fun in Texas. Well, reaction to this news conference is still coming in now, uh, a couple, an hour and a half or so later. Listen to this. Gavin Newsom is weighed in. Oh, God. And he says to the president, California will see you in court. He says California is going to take Trump to court to block this emergency declaration. Newsom said in a statement, this emergency is a national disgrace and the blame lays solely at the feet of the president. Uh, His issue, according to the statement, was that he will be diverting drug diversion funding to building the barriers at the border. He said he plans to shut down and divert funds used by California law enforcement to run counter narcotics operations and fight drug cartels to build his wall. Our message back to the White House is simple and clear. California will see you in court. And, yeah, let's talk about how that spending breaks down. Wait, speaking of spending, we got a 1000 bucks you can win. Here's how you can do it. Win $1,000 right now. Text the nationwide keyword BANK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's BANK to 200-200. If you win, they'll call you, but you got to answer the phone to pick up $1,000. Another chance each hour of this show and the John and Ken show all the way through the first hour of the Conway show. We give away 1000 bucks. So here's how it works in the courts. Who can challenge the president's emergency declaration? Anyone who's affected by it. Anyone. And there's going to be a hell of a lot of people affected by it. Here is how the $8 billion breaks down. He will have access to a total of $8 billion for the wall. That includes the $1.4 billion offered by Congress in the spending bill for the fencing in Texas. It also takes money from the Treasury Department's drug forfeiture fund, $600 million. It takes $2.5 billion from a Defense Department drug interdiction program. That's what Gavin Newsom is saying. He's saying California is harmed by that diversion. And so that's what it's going to use as its basis when it goes to court. Also, $3.5 billion from a military construction budget. House Armed Secretary uh, Chairman, excuse me, House Armed Services Chairman, calls this plan utterly disrespectful of the military because of that $3.5 million that's going to be diverted from a military construction budget. Adam Smith is his name, and he says that Trump's plan to divert military construction funding was utterly disrespectful, an egregious example of the president putting his political agenda ahead of the interest of the United States. The president did say in the speech that there are some generals that he has spoken to who think it's more important for these military funds to go for a border wall than to remain unallocated in the Defense Department budget. I'm sure there's uh, opinions on both sides coming from the from the military. I think the the one uh, there was a couple of places where the president was clearly off track and was not talking about this, you know, the spending budget, border wall, border barrier. He got into ISIS, he got into trade with China, he got into the upcoming summit with North Korea, etc. But one of the things that he really slipped up on was he was challenged by one of the reporters about where he's getting his numbers from. He was specifically inquiring about numbers for uh, detentions, uh, the number of people coming across the border, uh, where drugs come across, whether it's ports of entry or through other areas, you know, unregulated areas along the border. And the president just said, listen, I get my numbers from Homeland Security. And the reporter was well prepared. I mean, obviously going into it said, well, I have numbers from this and this and the Department of uh, uh, Drug Enforcement Administration, et cetera, et cetera. Can you explain why our numbers are different? And the president just said, well, 
I trust my numbers. It was a, it was a very flat response to what was a very pointed question about, hey, we are all seeing numbers from your own agencies, from your agencies that disagree with the words that you keep saying in these podium in, in these speeches. And he wasn't he wasn't able to come forward with any sort of uh, good, solid evidence about where he's getting his numbers from. The more I think about it, the more I think that this this new governor, Gavin Newsom, lucked the hell out. He's going to spend his time in Sacramento just squaring off against this president yeah. and being having that platform as this the Democrat of California to square off and to go after him in court or whatever, even though he has no business doing that. Well, no business facing off against the president when you're governor of California, take care of your state the whole bit. But like what a great way for him to kick off his national prominence, right? Going up against this president as, you know, California versus this administration. You can't ask for a better campaign deal. You know, and and Mario eventually got his own games. I mean, after going up against Donkey Kong for so long, right? It was Mario who then became the 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 prominent character in the whole series of games. Great analogy. Thank you very much. I appreciate hey, that. Uh, he did mention this as well. I got we got to throw this in there because he talked about his work with China, and then oh, when he yeah, got this in, is good. when he got into um, the discussion about the upcoming summit, second summit with Kim Jong Un. Don't you know? No big deal. I've been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Prime Minister Abe of Japan <laughs> gave me the most beautiful copy of a letter. Oh, nothing. That he sent to the people who give out a thing called the Nobel Prize. Oh, I love it. He said, I have nominated you, or respectfully, on behalf of Japan, I am asking them to give you the Nobel Peace Prize. I said, thank you. Many other people feel that way, too. I'll probably never get it, but that's okay. They gave it to Obama. He didn't even know what he got it for. He was there for about 15 seconds, and he got the Nobel Prize. He said, oh, what did I get it for? With me, I probably will never get it. By the way, oh my God. he's 100% correct. Barack Obama got the Nobel Peace Prize for putting his pants on. He had been in office for four weeks, I think, when he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Just just idiocy. Um, but I didn't. I have never heard that. And what I loved is I cut off the very beginning of it where he says, I'm not even sure I'm supposed to tell you this, but I've been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. You know who else been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize? Bill Handel has been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. I don't want to talk about that. So Trump is crazy. (laughs) That's his words, not mine. What was I going to tell you? I don't know. Something about China? No. Something about uh, border barriers? Something about the Little Mermaid? Lost my train of thought. Something about M&Ms? No. Something about Not everything involves me enjoying M&Ms. You got yelled at for Valentine's Day, lack of celebration? I did not. Did you? No. No. Not entire. I still haven't gotten my Valentine's Day present. Oh, so you're the one in the no, relationship. No, 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 no. You're I'm the one saying, in the relationship that no, says, no. oh, we don't need to do anything, I'm but not, you're secretly expecting something. I No, I don't. Do you know what I went home I to was last night? You know what my husband got me? Roses. No. Um, turnips. No. What? A block of cheese. Aww. Isn't that sweet? True love. Right? Was it shape of a block or a shape of a heart? No, it was a nice block of fancy sharp cheddar cheese. Ooh. I know. What? Did you finish it? No. Did you do you wanna <laughs> do you want me to bring it in? Yes. 
Anytime you have cheese, you should. And share. I thought, I thought Gary's going to be so jealous of this Valentine's Day gift because he loves him some sharp cheddar cheese. Uh, well, I did show you the picture the other day. Uh, I have of my son mowing down on an entire block of cheddar yes, cheese. Yes, there's please. nothing wrong with that. All right, uh, when we come back. The latest on the Jussie Smollett case, the attack in Chicago. Two men have been arrested, but that is not the end of the story at all. Did she get you a card? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, that's what she told me. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Oh, you, you didn't get the card yet? No. I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming she got a... Did you give her a card? Yep. Yesterday. Yeah. It was in place on Wednesday night. So that first thing Thursday morning, if she got up before I did, she would see it, and she would be amazed at how much her husband loves her. But still no card for you. But I'm not keeping score. No block of cheddar. Not yet. The day is young. Shannon, that murder, the triple murder in Orange County, we're learning more about it now. This was in Newport Beach. Three people killed in their gated, multi-million dollar home. We now know the story behind the murders, or at least part of it. We'll get to that coming up in less than an hour. Also, uh, the Gavin Newsom story at the top of next hour, he's blaming the media for confusion over the high-speed rails future. I, he's absolutely I, right. I kind of believe him. Yeah, I think I think he's got this one right. Uh, he did not pull the plug. The train is not stopped. It's still just a giant boondoggle. May not be a $100 billion boondoggle, but it's a several billion dollar boondoggle that he continues to uh, pump money into. Well, the next chapter for the Jesse Smollett story out of Chicago of the attack is not good for Jesse Smollett. Multiple sources have told ABC7 Eyewitness News in Chicago that police are investigating whether he and two men staged the attack because Jesse Smollett thought he was being written off of Empire. Um, okay. He failed to appear for his interview with detectives yesterday, but has since spoken with the police. The police, by the way, are saying... We're not saying this is a hoax. They are very... Because Chicago, Chicago Police, police is screwed yes. when it comes to relations with African Americans. They are having a really hard time. I shouldn't say they're having a hard... They're doing a... They're, they're working very hard to make sure they don't play into this potential hoax. Also... And, and, and keep... They're still saying, we are treating this as an attack. There's no evidence to suggest... That he's making this up. There's also no evidence to show that he was beaten up. Also uh, in that camp is 20th Century Fox TV. They're saying, no, we wouldn't write him off. That wasn't, no, absolutely not. We stand behind him. Nobody wants to say that this guy is making it up. Now, the two men that, okay, let's go back to the beginning. If you remember, there was there was very little surveillance video of any uh, attack. There was none, actually, of an attack. But there were two men seen on surveillance video in the area near where Jesse says he was Jesse says he was attacked and it was about 15 to 30 minutes before the actual attack took place now 
when they posted that, when they released the images, the still images from this video, couldn't see anything. I mean, it's the dark streets. These guys are dressed all. It's winter in Chicago, so they got full jackets and hats and stuff. Can't see who they are. But he said he could and that they were white. Well, and he said the two guys in that the still frame, he's certain that those were the guys that beat him up. Well, those two guys were tracked down at Chicago O'Hare, and guess what? They're black. They're from Nigeria. They're brothers, and they were both extras on the set of Empire. Yeah, supposedly they're friends of this guy. Now, they have been arrested. Those two brothers have been arrested. And my understanding is they haven't officially been charged yet, but they're being at least held on suspicion of battery. Again, the police are doing this by the book and haven't said anything about whether they believe this was some sort of a conjured up event that they made. They And they pushed back against that report last night that said that they were investigating as at, at as it as a hoax because Jussie Smollett was being written off the show. They just simply said, listen, we don't have any evidence to say that this is a hoax. He re- the uh, spokesman for Chicago police repeated that today uh, and that Jussie Smollett continues to be treated by police as a victim, not as a suspect. Why is it then that so many people do not believe Jussie Smollett? It's because it's not on surveillance video and everything else from that night is it's because he waited 40 minutes to call the cops it's because he didn't hand over his phone i mean there's just a number oh. of things but more importantly is everyone's tap dance tiptoeing around saying anything about it thought about this right so we talked about how isn't the- it great wouldn't it be great if he made it up well that there's not white guys roaming the streets of chicago putting nooses and pouring bleach on b- black gay men isn't that great shouldn't that be what we're embracing here it's the better of God. two options yeah. yes but it's still not great but it's the better of the two options now the phone records thing listen to this so We know that the police wanted his cell phone or at least wanted to have a tech look at his cell phone so that they could establish maybe location minute by minute. If it had if he had, you know, GPS on or something like that, an app open that would track his location. And they wanted to make sure that he was talking to the guy that he said he was talking to at the moment of the attack, which happened to be his agent. Now, he did not turn over his phone. He said he was reluctant to do so because he's on a Fox TV show and he doesn't want all the information getting out there, whether it's personal pictures of himself, uh, people that he's been seeing, um, phone numbers of castmates and other famous people that he might have in his phone. He didn't want to give over his phone. So what he did was he printed out a PDF file from his own phone company of a phone log and then redacted it, sat there and crossed out the things he didn't want them to see and handed that over. Chicago police have said, thank you, but there's very little investigative worth in something that's redacted like that. What if, I don't know this, the answer to this question, what if they already had a subpoena or a search warrant and went to the phone company and have all of the phone records unredacted? They just wanted to see whose numbers he would take off of there. That's probably so that, part of it. So that they could confront him with it later. Now, why is it that you said you were on the phone with your agent when, in fact, you had called him six times over the course of five minutes and he didn't answer the phone? Or you you know, hung up the phone and then called him right back? Or, I mean, that, that... And then what is he in trouble for, filing a false police report? I guess that would be it. In, if, if it's a hoax? Yeah. Yeah, filing a... Which... 
these two men uh, have been booked for battery, according to TMZ. The two guys from Nigeria, the brothers. One is named Olabindo, and the other is Abimbula. They, they, they go by the nicknames. Everybody knows this. Oh. Ola, Ola and Abel. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, the cops, according to TMZ, raided their home on Wednesday and took a bunch of potential evidence, including several bottles of bleach. Again, they were picked up at O'Hare Airport. Where is their home? Is there... They're in. They went to Nigeria. They went to Nigeria. They went to Nigeria the day of the attack. So remember, it happened super early in the morning, one forty-five, two yeah. o'clock in the morning. Later that day, they were on a plane to go to Africa. Wait, I thought they they got them on Wednesday night at O'Hare, and then the came cops. back and got them. They just got them a night and a half ago. So they'd been gone for two weeks. Oh, so they were on their way back to Chicago. Yes. Got it. They had flown back in and picked them up right as they got off the plane. So a Chicago law enforcement source told TMZ that the next step would be a lineup in which he would have to identify the culprits. But that's a problem because Jesse said the attackers were white. Mm -hmm. And they are not. Nope. Now, Ola played a prison inmate on season two of Empire. And Jesse follows Abel on Instagram. And Abel says he's also worked on Empire. Both of them described themselves as actors and models. Okay. Now, they could have they could have beat the guy up, right? I mean, just because they know him doesn't mean that this wasn't an attack. It does sort of erode the possibility that this was a racist attack. Uh, so, I don't know. This thing is just... And Chicago police, to their credit, have been very careful about saying... We're still investigating this. But it's this. interesting, though, that, that multiple sources have told ABC7 in Chicago that Jesse Smollett feared he was being written off the show and did this, this hoax, to create attention and buzz and no way that they would get rid of him if he's suddenly a national celebrity for having to endure an attack by Trump supporters on the streets of Chicago who also watch Empire. Nick pointed that out yesterday, too. Like... People that would scream MAGA country yeah. are also Empire uh, watchers. Not a whole lot Probably of crossover. Not a lot that. of crossover. Would you? And by the way, before this story came out on January 30th, 29th, would you have been able to recognize Jesse Smollett as an actor from Empire? Yes, because I watched Empire. I watched it for a couple seasons. I've, but nobody else did. I was going to say, I, <laughs> I would. I haven't talked to anyone else who's watched it. But. All right, coming up next. It looks like the FBI is now digging into Ryan Adams after claims that he asked a 15-year-old girl to send him nude photos and something called Skype sex. I guess that's a thing. People having sex over Skype. Um, Is that really what you think it is? What? No. Just kidding. FBI! What else could it be? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how I you do you'd that. I you to explain. You're like, Skype sex. I guess that's <laughs> sex on Skype. <laughs> I'm Bill Handel. Well, share that gift if you're going to sing it, Nick. 
I don't remember the next verse. I just Liars! Oh, don't worry about it. We'll be up here we go. Yeah. Oh, my God. Does Fierce Brosnan do a cover of this? Tonight. Seriously? Canoga Park. That is not funny. Do not joke about that. I don't joke about such things. Go ahead and give them a plug. Fierce Brosnan, Canoga Park. Uh, Scotland Yard Pub, 9 oh, p.m. That sounds like a good time. At a lot Fierce of bad Brosnan decisions. AF. Will there be a lady in the back yelling, kiss from a rose? I hope so. I'm paying her 10 they bucks. You better show up. They don't let Nick's mom in there anymore. <laughs> wow. Sorry. Here we go. Um, next hour, by the way, we're going to be talking about the guy who fought off that mountain lion. Have you seen that story? Yes. Uh, I... Used to run in an area that was, they would always warn you to watch out for mountain lions if you go early in the morning or, uh, you know, dusk or or dawn. That's an interesting warning, isn't it, too? Watch out for mountain lions. Yeah, because by the time you see it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, we'll tell you how to kill a mountain lion if it ever attacks you. Ryan Adams is in trouble. Ryan Adams, the singer, once married to Mandy Moore, who says he was psychologically abusive in their marriage, is now... Under criminal investigation because he's been accused of exposing himself to a female minor. The woman is, her name is Ava. She's 20 years old now. And she told the New York Times that Ryan Adams appeared naked when they had sex calls on Skype and shared texts that show Ryan Adams lamenting the fact that she had not sent him photos of herself in some time. He says... According to one of these texts that the Times got its uh, fingers on, I never see pics of you anymore. You were blowing my mind. Now, she had just turned 16 when he sent that text, allegedly, and he was still married at the time, like you said, to Mandy Moore. He was 40 at the time. He had names for her body parts. Listen to this part. He also expressed anxiety about her age in these text messages. If people knew, they would say I was like R. Kelly, LOL. Well, at what point do you age out of LOL? If you sent me a text that said LOL, we'd have a talk. <laughs> you would you would actually call me. I don't want to hear LOL from a man over 40. Uh, l- he expressed a desire to touch part of her breast and wrote, tell me that your mom is not going to kill me if she finds out we even text. Now, he responded to these allegations this week. Of course, uh, told you that he tried to make sort of a preemptive message suggesting that he was going to sue the New York Times after this article hit. He wrote on Twitter on Wednesday night, I am not a perfect man. I have made many mistakes to anyone I have ever hurt. However, unintentionally, I apologize deeply and unreservedly. He says, but the picture that this article paints is upsettingly inaccurate. Some of its details are misrepresented, misrepresented. some are exaggerated, some are outright false. I would never have inappropriate interactions with someone I thought was inter- underage, period. Here's a weird <laughs> sideline to this. Uh, Karen Elson, a model, came out yesterday to speak about her time with Adams, but said she's still not ready to share her story publicly. Then, then why did you... I mean, you don't have to. You don't. You never have to. But why would you come out and say I'm ready to speak about my time and then say I'm not ready to share it publicly? Maybe she thought she was ready and uh, and, and then realized, and then realized that, she that she wasn't. Possible. Yeah. Well, this guy Ryan Adams. We've uh, 
I don't know. This this is a story that, according to, if you read Mandy Moore's uh, version of, of their relationship, this guy was just manipulative from beginning to end in just, just about every relationship that he dude, was with. A bad guy. Yeah. A bad guy. Not that he shouldn't be called out for it, but uh, especially, you know, the FBI is going to get it, the, you know, especially, especially if the FBI finds there is some veracity to the story that he was texting this young girl. All right. Coming up next, Nick will sing any song that you want him to sing. We'll uh, we'll take suggestions on Twitter. Wait, 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 wait. See, what? see what happens? What? You what? show one one talent and then she tries to exploit it for her own gain. Why wouldn't we? I don't, well, let's see what they got. <laughs> That's coming up next on Gary and Shannon. Having an emotional reaction to this. She looks like Nell. Nell. <laughs> Tay and a win. Nell? No? Anybody? Anybody? I don't know what you're talking Thank about. You. But I don't think it was no. a compliment. Well, no, no. I'm just saying, all, all I can see is you swaying your hands back and forth. <laughs> and it just reminded song. me of Jodie Foster as Nell. And she goes, say in a win. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. No, it's not a It's not, it's a not bag, good. I'm not bagging it's on not it. Good. Good. It's I didn't not. say it was great. <laughs> it's not. Uh, you remind me of Julia Roberts right now. We get to uh, when we get to Swamp Watch at twelve thirty. Much nicer. We will tell you about. You remind me of Julia Roberts. Thank you. Um, we'll get to Swamp Watch and talk about what happened in the Rose Garden today. The president's announcement that he is going to sign the government spending bill to keep the government open through September thirtieth, at least, and then the, the declaration of a national emergency to get money to pay for the border wall. There's a whole lot to the. I mean. First of all, there was a whole lot to the news conference today itself where he kind of went off script a handful of times. Trump is crazy. Those are his words, not mine. And um, the the potential repercussions of and legal battle over this national declaration of emergency. This is going to go to the courts and it's going to linger there for quite some time because there is a constitutional crisis that a declaration like this presents. Yes, there have been emergency declarations like this made before, uh, but none of them overrode Congress's constitutional right to control the purse strings. This one does. So that's the, that's the constitutional issue they're going to run into in the courts. So we will see what happens. An injunction likely will be filed, which means that he doesn't get to start building the the barrier with that eight billion dollars that he has freed up, however, he will be able to use that one point four billion that they squeezed into this spending bill for fencing in Texas. We mentioned on Tuesday during Governor Newsom's state of the state address that um, one of the issues I wanted to hear about was what he was going to do about high speed rail, and he came out and said, "Listen, uh, it's not going to work out the way we had planned." It's not going to go from San Francisco to L.A., at least not yet. Here were his words, because I think the words are important. Right now, there simply isn't a path to get from Sacramento to San Diego, let alone from San Francisco to L.A. I wish there were. 
However, we do have the capacity to complete a high-speed rail link between Merced and Bakersfield. So everyone heard that and said, oh, uh, it's over. He's, he's not going to go forward with Brown's plan. I got in a plug. I was in Mexico. I get an alert on my phone. Gavin Newsom backs off Governor Brown's plan for high-speed rail. And I thought, great. High-speed rail stops in its tracks. That's yes. not the case. That is that is not the case. And it's not been the case. It was never Governor Newsom's intention to pull the plug on this thing because that would have made way too much sense. In fact, remember, the reason that he doesn't want to do this is because of this. Uh, where did it go? It is because of this. And with all due respect, I have no interest in sending back $3.5 billion of federal funding that was allocated to this project to President Donald Trump. Got that? This is all about a PP match between he and Donald Trump. This is not about him running the state of California. This is not about him taking responsibility for a bad decision that Jerry Brown continued to pump money into. This is about him urinating into the wind $3.5 billion on a link to Merced from Bakersfield. That that's what this is about, because he would rather piss away the money on something that's not going to be used than give it back to this administration. I am frustrated by this. Governor Newsom is frustrated by this, as a matter of fact, because he said that it's completely made up that he was abandoning this project. Those are his words. He says, I didn't. It's completely made up. I'm baffled by it, is the way a former communications director says for the Governor Schwarzenegger. It's very perplexing to see uh, as to how something so important would be dramatically miscommunicated. Gavin Newsom was in Megalia yesterday from Butte County. He says, I think people in the media should pause before they run headlines and actually consider the facts and maybe even ask the person that's stating things before they run things. That's the deep lesson I learned in this. Do you think that he was purposefully vague about high-speed rail because there were so many people, Republicans and Democrats alike, that realized that this was quite indeed a boondoggle, that it was was, was costing too much money. It was not going to be as it was promised. It was going to be slow-speed rail with multiple stops, and it just wasn't what – it wasn't the bill of goods that we were sold. And I think that people were looking for him to throw out Dementia Jerry Brown's idea because he was so stubborn on this, and he kept sticking to it, even though it didn't make financial sense, which is so weird because Jerry Brown usually was very fiscally responsible. Um, but he, he was so stubborn when it came to this train and, and it, it got to be like granddad stuck in some sort of bad thinking pattern, right? Or, or he throws the little engineer wanted, cap on and goes down in the basement and plays with his little right, train set. And you set. wanted the younger guy, uh, the the maybe has more faculties about him to say, you know what, grandpa, I like trains too. But this is just not going to work, you know, but I think that he was purposefully vague with this and knew damn well what was going to happen because you hear what you want to believe or you hear what you want to hear, I guess. And all the people that were listening to him like you, like me, and waiting to hear him say he abandoned it, any mention of it not going from L.A. to San Francisco, we jumped on that train. We're like, oh, he's getting rid of it. But the people who wanted to believe it that the train would still be going on, said, wait a minute here. It's not completely over, is it? So I think that he did it on purpose because he didn't want to disappoint all the people who were the Jerry Brown true believers in the train. And why are well, – listen, here's the other part about it. Just put a rail line there. Like, if you want a rail line from Merced to Bakersfield, it goes through – just put a rail line there. Or 
just add trains to the existing Amtrak routes that go I, through there. Listen, but, but don't call this high-speed rail that can go 200 miles an hour when it's only a 171-mile uh, line. I wonder what the rules are for securing federal funding for a project that was sold a completely different way. I mean, if we secured the federal funding, $3.5 billion, with the promise that we were going to build high-speed rail from L.A. to San Francisco, and then suddenly that project is Merced to Bakersfield, I wonder what the rules are. Can the government take back that money because you're not using it the way you said you were going to use it? I mean, there's got to be something in there that says that. Furthermore, could you imagine going to Washington as California and saying, we need $3.5 billion because we're going to build rail from Merced to Bakersfield. You'd be laughed out of the Capitol. Well, you'd get about three members of Congress who like it, and those are the three uh, members of Congress whose districts would have some sort of um, fiscal shot in the arm because of that. But that's it. That's that's Shame on Governor Newsom for continuing to do this. Well, and this you just, just look like a little boy when you're like, I'm going to build it. I'm going to build something no one's going to use because I don't want to give the money back to him. You know, you just sound like a petulant child a little bit. Yeah. All right. We come back. We're going to talk about this uh, crazy murder case out of Newport Beach that's uh, dominated the last 24 hours or so. A guy, 27-year-old guy, apparently kills his multimillionaire father, his mother, and their housekeeper in a gated community before he turns himself in. That, we have a thousand bucks we're going to be giving away and a whole lot more coming up on the Gary and Shannon. has settled his beef with the NFL. How? Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed say their legal war with the NFL is over. They've struck a confidential settlement with the league. Colin Kaepernick, by the way... Hold on a second. They they were alleging that the NFL was not hiring, that conspired against them from getting jobs. Collusion. Yeah, that the NFL colluded against them. Here's my issue with it. Well, I've got a couple issues with it. I never believed that the NFL was racist, and that's why they went higher calling Kaepernick. I believe that no NFL head coach wants that distraction in his locker room. It for for what for what you get in return. Right. Yeah, a second string quarterback. A second string quarterback. Colin Kaepernick was benched for Blaine Gabbert. All right. He was not a starter when he started doing this. Far from it. I don't think the NFL was racist. I don't think they said, oh, we, we want to keep this guy out because he's he's uh, speaking to a cause of racial, racial inequality in, in, in this country. I think they just didn't want the distraction. You know, uh, at 12 o'clock or in the 12 o'clock hour, we're going to talk more about that new football league. You may have seen the, the coverage of the opening weekend last weekend. The, the AAF. AAF. Yeah, and, and there was a report out today that Colin Kaepernick was approached to play in this league. That's getting a lot of positive attention, by the way, but that he was approached and he told them he wanted $20 million or more, which is insanity. $20 million or more to play in this new league. And the fact of the matter is Colin Kaepernick and his brand are worth more with him on the bench or on his knee, I guess you should you could say. Yeah, speaking of uh, all of that money, we don't have a million, but we have $1,000 you can win. Win $1,000 right now. 
text the nationwide keyword CASH to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's CASH to 200-200. If you win, they'll call you to let you know, but you got to answer the phone to pick up $1,000. Otherwise, they'll move on to somebody who does answer the phone regularly. Uh, an hour from now, you get another chance to win. An hour after that, in fact... All the way through the first hour of the Conway Show, we give away a thousand bucks an hour. We're learning more about that triple murder in Newport Beach. Police have arrested a guy, 27 years old. They say he killed both his parents and uh, a housekeeper at this multi-million-dollar home in Newport Beach, California. He's described as a devout Mormon. His name's Camden Nicholson. He went to uh, University of Utah, I guess, and. Played golf for them before he went to serve on a full-time mission. They picked him up, like you said, in Irvine at an emergency room. And when Irvine police picked him up, that's when they called Newport Beach police. He made statements or said something to them about uh, his parents. So that's when Newport Beach went to the house and found the three bodies. His parents were Richard Nicholson, 64 years old entrepreneur, a clinical lab scientist who ran a chain of labs in Southern California, and his wife, uh, mom, Kim, 61 years old. It's not known how the three were killed as the investigation continues. They also don't know when, uh, which is strange because on Wednesday morning from 1030 to 2, they were supposed to have a meeting that Richard was supposed to be in, and he never showed up, and they didn't hear from him. Yeah, he was on the board of directors of the Orange County Coast Keeper, a nonprofit clean water organization. The executive director describes him as a family man. You wonder if there are any other kids, right? Any siblings? Richard has been, or Rick has been on our board of directors for a number of years. He's a very community-oriented, successful businessman, very personable, athletic family man. Oh, yeah, two sons. Yeah, they have, the older son is 33. His name is Kevin, apparently, and is a CEO of a company based in uh, Salt Lake City, a, a apparel company in Salt Lake City. The it's strange, in 2006, on his 21st uh, birthday, Camden posted a picture of his friend's blog dressed in a suit on a Mormon mission in Romania. I eat, breathe, and sleep golf, he said. Likes weightlifting, studying about nutrition. Very, very little in terms of what the neighbors didn't say anything or they didn't hear anything. And the the family has been, you know, just a normal neighborly family. No reports of, of fighting or anything like that. So, well, a- it's he's of the age that 27 years old that uh, something could have chemically gone wrong. Like a psychotic break. Yeah. One of the neighbors in the area said the, she saw the crime scene tape and police vehicles outside the home when she was walking her son to school on Thursday morning and said uh, it just makes you want to squeeze your kids a little bit harder. Uh, she didn't know any of the victims. She didn't know what was going on. But you move into a neighborhood like that, you'd think you move into a gated neighborhood like that because you want security and safety and you feel like that that's a place that you're going to be able to raise kids and not have to face something like this. But it's uh, that's a weird thing. You can never account for what potentially was mental illness in this case. Hey, we have a four-pack of tickets to give away to the L.A. Travel and Adventure Show coming up this weekend, the 14th annual L.A. Travel and Adventure Show, two days only, tomorrow and Sunday at the L.A. Convention Center. And we have a pack of tickets for caller number 
Six. Six. 1-800-520-1-KFI. That's 800-520-1534. Yeah, it's time to call. Come on, it's time time to call. call. Let's call. Yeah. Caller number six is going to win that four-pack of tickets. You can also enter to win a trip for two to Switzerland, courtesy Mm. of Switzerland Tourism, Swiss International Airlines, and Eurobound. Just go to KFIAM640.com. You can visit Switzerland and more at the L.A. Travel and Adventure Show tomorrow and Sunday at the L.A. Convention Center. If for some reason you don't win these tickets, you can buy discounted tickets at latravelshow.com. <laughs> Lori said, Shannon, devote Mormon. Are you reading the Daily Mail? <laughs> yes. Oh, De- devout Mormon. Devout, yeah. <laughs> I speak British. <laughs> um, also, Jen's got a good conspiracy theory at Gary and Shannon on Facebook. What if Lady Gaga called it off because... Bradley Cooper. Yes. Yep. There's something Ooh. there. Something there. Mm-hmm. Tell me something. <laughs> he has a girl, though. He's been with her for a couple of years. Oh, Blake. Blake. You're so, so naive. naive. Okay. Maybe <laughs> I'm just the least pessimistic of all of us. Maybe it's Maybe. That's because the longer you live on this great planet... The, more the, the, the less faith you have in humanity. <laughs> Valentine's Day more and more yes. every year. Uh, we'll talk about this guy who fought this mountain lion when we come back to Gary and Shannon. of the day is the president declaring a national emergency to build that border wall. Every Democrat in Washington has responded, uh, vows to fight this. This will no doubt make its way through the court system as it puts the Constitution underneath the spotlight once more. Congress usually controls the purse strings. There has never been an executive order that has lasted through the courts that took away the ability for Congress to make funding decisions. I've also been uh, following the story out of Chicago, the Jesse Smollett case, and two brothers from Nigeria have been arrested in this attack, although they haven't specifically been charged with anything. They've been arrested on suspicion of battery, and we're seeing that we could see some charges today. When that happens, by the way, when they do get officially arraigned on these charges, there may be information that's in the charging papers that will be um, uh, indicative of where the police believe this story is going. Well, it looks like Jesse Smollett knows these two men. They both yeah. worked at. Uh, they both worked at uh, Empire. Oh, Empire. Yeah. Which doesn't mean that they didn't attack him necessarily, but we shall see. One of the big stories that we've seen over the last week is a story out of Colorado. This guy who was attacked by a mountain lion. Travis Kaufman, 31-year-old dude, has lived in Colorado for about five years, originally from Arkansas, uh, and has been trail running, he says, uh, for about a year. And he would often run in the trail systems that are out west of Fort Collins, Colorado, out in just beautiful countryside. Well, he was at Horse Tooth Mountain Open Space. Everybody knows where Horse Tooth Mountain Open Space is. Well, Laramau County. Of course, yes. Mm-hmm. February 4th, when he noticed that there was a mountain lion chasing him. Okay. A couple things. Yeah. First of all, well, that's mountain lion country, so I would assume he knew that, or there would be signs or some sort of general knowledge that you're running in wilderness at that point, right? Here's the other thing. If you're going to go running and you (laughs) 
attack. No, I should say if you're attacked by a mountain lion and you kill it, right, that's pretty badass. Tell people you're going for a long run, which is exactly what he did. He said, oh, you know, I was just going to go on like a 12 or 15 mile run for just. This is why I don't run. Because it's Monday. That was my it was my short day. I was only doing 15 that day. You should always leave a note in your car. No, seriously. Like when you're going on a long hike or run like this, what time you left and what time you're you're going to be due back or you're expecting that it'll take you. Because then when somebody shows up and they see the note in the car and it's six hours after you're due back, then they know to go looking for you. It's just one of those things you're supposed to do. Was that a mountain lion? No, I don't know what that was. That was from Blake. Um, it sounded like a cougar. Is... That was that chick from um, The Bachelor. Oh, <laughs> The crazy one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, keeps, she always goes, Miss Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, what uh, what Travis said was he first heard the pine needles rustling behind him on the trail and turned, and he said, one of my first, uh, one of my worst fears was confirmed, a mountain lion about 10 feet away. Here's him describing the next couple of seconds slash couple of minutes of his life flashing before his eyes. I turned around and... Uh... Just was pretty bummed out to see a mountain lion chasing after me. Okay. Would you describe it as bummed out? <laughs> bummed out? Quick gas go around here, Blake. Uh, you're on a trail. Yes. You hear a rustling of pine needles. You turn around, you see a freaking mountain lion charging you. What's, what's, what's your first thought? Yeah, what's your emotion? What's there? your emotion? Bummed? Um, I think it'd be like a ah, like that, whatever that emotion is. <laughs> okay, all right. that would be Nick mortified, mortified, mortification. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. All right, Amy, uh, petrified, petrified. That's a good one. Isabella, I think I pass out. Pass out. Yeah. Pass outify, or or <laughs> crap your pants. Yes, I would be much Crapify. more. I'd be I'd be in the movement I, area. I'm bummed out if like. This is us isn't on this week. That's a bummed out. You know, I'm bummed <laughs> yes. out if it's if if it's not uh, if it's not playing this week. I'm bummed out when below deck is over. I am not bummed out if I see a freaking mountain lion chasing me. Well, what would you be? What was your what would your? I believe I said crap my pants. Oh, got it. Okay, you're also in the movement category. <laughs> We're gonna move. This something. was pretty bummed out to see a mountain lion chasing after me. So. I, I stopped and I uh, threw my, my hands up in the air and I started shouting. Waved him like I just don't care. Unfortunately, the shouts didn't deter it. So I it tried to reason with him. kind of kept running and lunged at me. Um, it was going toward my, my face, so I threw up my, my hands to kind of block my face, at which point it grabbed onto my hand and wrist. And mm. uh, from there, it started to claw at my face and mm. neck, and that's when kind of my fear response turned into more of a fight response. When did you stop screaming? That's what I want I know. realized how close it was getting to my eyes, and it got a claw on my lip. And, aye, 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 aye. Uh, <laughs> I tried to throw it off me at that point, and then we took a little tumble down the south side of the trail, and down there just kind of had a, a little wrestling match, at which point I was able to get on top of it, uh, pin its back legs so I didn't get um, any soft tissue scratched out in my nether regions. Oh, my gosh. Yep, um, that's what they do. At that point, I I was grabbing around for sticks. Um, I only had my left hand free. My right hand was still locked in its jaws. Tried to 
to get out its neck to see if I could uh, stab it in the neck to get it to release. Um, that wasn't working. The sticks were, were breaking. So then I picked up a rock that I, that I had seen kind of near us. Um, it was pretty heavy, and it was kind of hard to wield. And I uh, tried to give it a few bashes in the, the back of the head. But uh, <laughs> fortunately, I just kind of had a tough time swinging it with my, my arm still locked into the cat's jaws. Really wasn't working too well at that point. I knew with two, two pretty good blows to the back of the head that it didn't release, that um, I was probably going to have to do something a little more drastic. And I was able to kind of shift my weight and get a foot on its neck. Oh. And at that point, I stepped on it, on its neck, with my, my right foot. Oh, my um, gosh. And <laughs> I can't. just slowly, after a few few minutes, um, minutes, I thought I'd be getting close, and then I'd start thrashing again and... Had a few more scratches that resulted from those those uh, thrashes at that point, and uh, I'd say uh, another couple of minutes later, it finally finally stopped moving, and then jaws opened, and I was able to kind of scramble back up the hill and get the heck out of Dodge. I'm bummed now. I'm not going outside anymore. (laughs) Um, So they had a news conference because this got like international attention, right? And much like the Super Bowl gets international attention and draws journalists out from everywhere who ask dumbass questions, this incident did the same. The the questions that he faced in the news conference were like, um, which kind of running shoe do you wear? Or what did the cat's breath smell like? Seriously. Or do you want to have the cat mounted? <laughs> Although that would be kind of bad. No. 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 You don't need that lingering around. No. All right. Pretty bummed out to see a mountain lion Pretty chasing after me. Pretty bummed out. Chasing after me. All right. Dean Sharp is going to join us when we come back. Uh, how to make sure, we're still not out of the rain yet, how to make sure that you keep your roof dry. I know it's supposed to keep the whole house dry. But let's say you got some problems in there and you got some uh, you need a quick fix to some leaks. Dean's going to help us out. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, president who signed legislation to avert another government shutdown. This uh, legislation does give him 55 additional miles of border fencing in Texas, short of the 200-plus miles he wanted, but he's going to go ahead and unilaterally uh, free up the funding for that with an emergency declaration. Dean Sharp has joined us. Dean Sharp, host of Home. Howdy. On uh, Sundays right here on KFI, and of course the podcast that is wildly popular that you can find on the iHeartRadio app. Wildly. Uh, Rain has been an issue, and we've seen a significant amount of rain in the last several weeks, more than average. And uh, we have potentially some more coming a little bit later today. This is not the time to find out that you have a leak. It's tough, but this is almost always the time that you do find out that you have a leak. When we find it out, you should have found it out in August. So what is this diaper technology you have presented us with? Uh, Well, let me get there. Uh, just because it kind of uh, goes along with uh, my little soapbox message here about roof leaks and homeowners. Oh. And uh, that is this. There's a certain percentage of homeowners who, once they discover they have a leak, uh, feel like it's time for them to get up on the roof in the rain. Not smart. And, and deal with it. <laughs> I call that Darwinism, Dean. <laughs> it probably is some form of natural selection. So I'm trying to augment that a little bit. Number one, by reminding everybody, uh, 
Don't do that. Just don't. Okay. There's ways of dealing with the leak inside the house. And that is the number one, the best thing is once the water is dripping through the drywall, if you really want to get engaged in the process, then go get yourself a little drywall saw. They cost about $4 and open up the drywall and let the water out. Just let it drain freely. Kind of like a wound. Yes. Open it up and or, let it clear. Or emotions. Get a bucket. Yeah. Yes. Get a bucket. Just <laughs> let it fill. You know, get through the rainstorm. Uh, and uh, But letting the water out is a great idea because the more it sits up on top of that drywall and runs around in various places wherever it's running, the more damage it's doing out there. So let the pressure out, you know, kind of, uh, you know, pop the pimple, as it were, oy, and oy, deal oy. with it later. <laughs> uh, but for people, <laughs> for people who are going to get up on the roof, the best thing that you can do in uh, protecting, let, let, let's say, oh, the rain has uh, abated momentarily. i got to get up there so that this doesn't happen any longer. Uh, and you're waiting for the roofer to come when everything gets, you know, sunny again. Then the, the, the things you need to know is, number one, you, you, you got to kind of figure out where this leak is coming from. And nine times out of ten, the leak is not manifesting in the house uh, directly below where it's coming from. Uh. So you usually want to look what we call upslope, okay? Uh, a leak will almost always happen around uh, something that is sticking through the roof, like a vent pipe, or some kind of flashing. It's all messed. You know, something is cracked or a tile has cracked, and it gets underneath the building paper. It runs for a while on the plywood, and then it finds a crack, and then it gets into the attic, and then it gets into the house. But the crack, or whatever the leak originating, uh, original point is, could be several feet away. Yeah, it from could be where several. Feet. So, so look up slope, and the safest thing to do is in line with where the leak is. As you look at your roof and you look up at the ridge, get up there, and if you're going to get up there, get some plastic on the roof, get it up and over the ridge, because. You want to stop any potential water from sliding underneath the plastic. And here's where it gets tricky with folks. Number one, if you're wearing rain gear, great. Don't wear rain boots up on the roof because they don't have a great sole uh, for traction up there. Wear cross trainers. Wear some soft-soled tennis shoes. Doesn't matter. You're gonna, your feet are going to get wet. Just stay alive. Number two... <laughs> Uh, Good get, advice. <laughs> get a ladder stabilizer for your ladder, which is this little uh, U-shaped uh, uh, clamp that you can put at the top of a ladder that actually holds that ladder well against the roof, and it doesn't crush the gutter. Almost looks like two arms that are sticking Exactly. Out. And number three, once you put the plastic down, you're going to want to hold it down the edges so it doesn't blow away when the next rain. And we've had a lot of wind yeah. with our rain recently. So please don't lug sandbags, even though sandbags are really what you want to do. Don't lug them up onto the roof because carrying 30 or 40-pound sandbags is almost guaranteeing that you're going to fall and die. This is where the diaper technology Exactly. Comes so in. this little product here is called Quick Dam. There are a number of different versions of them, and they are essentially uh, roof diapers. They are, uh, they are sandbags, quote-unquote, without any sand inside of them. What they have is basically diaper crystals inside. So this whole bag right here costs about 40 bucks. It, there are six of these sandbags inside. And you, can, you tell these, me, Shannon, how much does that thing weigh? Not it's a lot, nothing. Dean. Not a lot. It's a few ounces. A, a few ounces. It's right? about the size of a, a pillowcase. Right. So perhaps. each one of these will uh, absorb... Four gallons of water and end up weighing oh, 32 pounds. Wow. 
So what you do is you pre-moisten them a little bit so that they, so they don't blow away. You pre-moisten them a little bit. You, you lay them on the sides of the plastic, and as it starts to rain, they magically become sandbags uh, uh, without you intervening or having to lug them around. And then who takes them down from the roof? The roofer. Got it. After you've called the roofer and said, hey, I got a leak. <laughs> When can you get by? My roof is wearing diapers and they need to be changed. <laughs> exactly. Got it. Dean. And uh, so that's how uh, you, you get through it uh, and live. Dean, thank you so much for You're saving welcome. all the roofs you've saved today. <laughs> Hopefully and we've lives, just I mean. saved lives. And li- yeah. yeah, and lives. It's about the lives, Shannon. You're right. Uh, really. Right. Is, are you going to keep this as a toy as well? No. Whenever Dean comes in, you always t- take something. You guys from can him have and... these, but I'm just warning you: do not pour water on them in the office. That's exactly what I was going to do because they, unlike a diaper, <laughs> you'll notice this doesn't have any plastic lining. The water's the first couple of gallons going to go right through, right onto the carpet. <laughs> okay. And okay. how do I know that? Uh, you can find the wet spot in my office right now because oh, okay. I just yeah, tested yeah, yeah. this out and okay. thought. Because Shannon would really love if I did a demo. (laughs) And uh, no. So, yeah, don't uh, just tell people. (laughs) All right, Dean, thank you. Thank you. Of course, you're going to hear Dean on Sunday right here on KFI. And we're talking about roofs. And we'll talk more about roofs and how to fix that leak that you're going to find out this afternoon. We'll talk trending when we come back to Gary and Shannon. You guys can totally do this. Well, it's just frustrating (laughs) when you make an appointment. What ever happened to customer service? This song is so on point for for (laughs) for the current the venting. Um, Well, it is Friday, February fifteenth. Today is my father's birthday. Happy birthday, Dick! Right? Yeah. Yes. Did you get him anything? They are actually coming into town today. Are you going to do something special? If they stop by my house, I will. I don't know what, but I'll find something. Oh, I can give them a box of, I can give them a bag of the quick dry diapers. The quick damn diapers that uh, that Dean just left. You're such a good son. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, President Trump has declared a national emergency to build his border wall, also signing that legislation that averts another government shutdown. But Trump the is crazy. National emergency is getting all of the attention today because he is, in effect, declaring a bit of a constitutional crisis. One branch of government versus another, and it'll take the third branch of government to decide who comes out on top. By the way, uh, he... I know that he was sort of uh, sing-songingly saying that, oh, they're going to challenge this, and we're going to go to court, and then we're going to go to the Ninth Circuit, and it's going to go to the Supreme Court. This is exactly the way it should be. This this needs to be challenged in court. Republicans who think this is a great idea also need this to be challenged in court because they need to make sure that this is a legal thing, if it's a legal thing. Also, and we'll talk more about this in Swamp Watch, if the courts side with the president, it sets up a dangerous precedent for Republicans moving forward. Yeah, when the, the, the next Democrat becomes president and they're upset that the president at that point decides to do a national emergency and reallocate funds. Jesse Smollett continues to be in the news. This was 
the news today that the two men who were persons of interest that were brought in have now been arrested, booked for battery, according to TMZ. And here's the problem for Jesse Smollett. He claimed that the men that carried out this hate crime against him, putting a noose around his neck, dumping bleach on him, attacking him physically, he claimed that they were white men and that the, the picture of these two guys were absolutely the men that attacked him. Turns out these two brothers are black. They're from Nigeria and both worked on the set of Empire. Yeah, they know him. This is going to be an issue. They have not officially been charged with a specific crime yet. And when they are, I kind of feel like we're going to see some more information and the police are going to have to tip their hand about what case they are developing in this uh, in this instance. Last night, there was a big breathless report from ABC7 in Chicago that said this was a hoax perpetrated by the fact that Jussie Smollett was being written off of Empire and he was trying to, I don't know, up his street. I don't know. He was trying to bring himself back into the well, if he, spotlight if he was point. the victim of this racist attack they would never be able to write him off no yeah so because everyone would have he would have this uh it would be this victim mentality this this next level of stardom the way that the superintendent of chicago police department uh spokesman i should say anthony guglielmi he said media reports about the empire incident being a hoax are unconfirmed by case detectives and in fact Their superintendent contacted the TV station to state on the record, we have no evidence to support their reporting, and their supposed CPD sources are uninformed and inaccurate. Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed are in the news because they've settled their grievance cases against the NFL. They had alleged that the NFL was colluding to keep them out of the league for their take-a-knee protest against racial inequality in this country. Mark Garagas had something to do with this, didn't he? Yes. He represented Cap. Because uh, they didn't – he didn't go through – Colin Kaepernick did not go through the NFL Players Association when he filed the grievance. The, grievance. Um, the Players Association said they did not know the details of the settlement. They do support the decision by Kaepernick and Reed, uh, and I guess they, they're glad – because remember, Eric Reed did get a contract. Eric Reed is going to play football. Eric Reed is a good – Safety. He was not a second-string safety. He was not safety. benched for Blaine no. Gabbert. <laughs> uh, don't get me started. Story. Again, <laughs> I don't think the league was ever racist for keeping Colin Kaepernick out. They just didn't want the distraction of him in their locker room. It's hard enough to make the playoffs, let alone the Super Bowl, in this league. The last thing you want is a big media distraction. R. Kelly back on the news. Gloria Allred, have you seen this? No. Gloria Allred told the AP that she has contacted police about one of her clients that One of her clients may be the person in that VHS tape that was recently given to prosecutors in Chicago that shows R. Kelly having sex with an underage girl. Okay, this is another one, right? I mean, we're not talking about the original case. This is another video, supposedly, with R. Kelly engaging in sex acts with a 14-year-old. And to throw a twist into it to make it perfect 2019, it was Michael Avenatti that turned the videotape over to Cook Cook County's state's attorney. So you've got Gloria Allred and Michael Avenatti in this mess. That sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) Ruth Bader Ginsburg is back at work for the first time since December, since she underwent the cancer surgery. She's 85. She had two cancerous nodules removed from her left lung. Do you think, well... I guess the timing of it is not necessarily uh, indicative of anything, but we're talking – the first story we talked about is the Supreme Court potentially having to decide whether or not 
this declaration of a national emergency allows the president to reallocate funds. And this is going to be one of the people that uh, that will be sitting yeah. in on that case. So I don't know. I don't know if the timing of it is anything. But when we come back, if you're looking for some football, there is uh, or there, I should say there are a few football games coming up this weekend. The second week of the AAF. There are some great stories behind the players in the AAF. They have either been stars that fell from grace, people who never made the NFL. They've got the great backstories of uh, one of the quarterbacks from Birmingham Iron. He was a professional wrestler and then decided he wanted to play football, learned how to be a quarterback on YouTube. And now he's one of the stars who had a killer weekend last weekend. We'll talk about it when we return. Also, a thousand bucks to give away. We'll tell you how you can win it. So do I. She brought me a delicious treat. That stuff is all good. What is it? What are those called? They're like cheese cheese rolls. Cheese rolls from Porto's. Oh my gosh! The life changer. Sweet, flaky, and most importantly, cheesy. Mm. Hey, we got a thousand bucks to give away. Here's how you can win it. Win a thousand dollars right now. Text the nationwide keyword "change" to two hundred two hundred. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's "change" to two hundred two hundred. If you win, they'll call you, but you got to answer that phone to pick up a thousand dollars. Because if you don't, they'll move on to somebody who will answer and give them a thousand, and then you're sad. But there's another chance an hour from now, all the way through the John and Ken show and through the first hour of the Conway show. We give away $1,000 an hour. It's a sad time in America. Football season is over. It's called the saddest Sunday in America. The first of six months with no football. Oh, but wait. The AAF is here. Alliance American Football, eight teams. We've got Arizona, Salt Lake, San Antonio, San Diego, Atlanta, Birmingham, Memphis, and Orlando. And these games that started last weekend have gotten some good reviews. I checked out a few minutes of uh, one of the games. I think it was San Diego in San Antonio, or I don't remember which game it was. I did see a guy's helmet pop off like a Lego head. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> that I saw was, that high, that high low light. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, is that they're on. Let's see. I'm looking at the schedule. Tomorrow there's a game at 11 a.m., uh, Salt Lake versus Birmingham, and then there is a game tomorrow night at 5, Arizona versus Memphis. That game's on the NFL Network. The first game's on TNT, and then uh, on Sunday there's a couple games, 1 o'clock and 5 o'clock, on CBS Sports Network and NFL Network. Is CBS Sports Network CBS, or is that a different? No, that's a that's a different Does channel. everyone have that? You may. You probably do. I mean, if you've got a cable or satellite channel, CBS Sports Network is not uncommon. I mean, if you've got 700 channels, chances are you've got that one. Uh, but this is they, they do things a little bit differently. I mean, you talked about the personalities, but some of the rules are different. They don't do kickoffs here. They just spot the ball at 25 and start. That's, that's how they do it. Um, and I don't know if this is sort of a testing ground for rule changes that are coming in the NFL, but instead of an onside kick, which is another thing that could kill people, they do a 4th and 12 conversion. If you can convert 4th and 12... Then you get the ball as opposed to trying an onside kick and running the risk of uh, potential damage to your players. They make $35,000 for the season. 
35 grand. That's it. What is this, 1960? They're putting their they're putting their bodies out. I mean, it's not. Wait, no, 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 no. Well, see, one of the guys says that they got thirty five grand, but ESPN.com is reporting that they make eighty three thousand dollars annually. That sounds a little bit more. Hmm. That they have a three year non guaranteed contract for two hundred and fifty grand, which breaks down to eighty three thousand dollars a year. And they all make the same thing, apparently. Everyone in the league makes the same thing. Now, are you going to watch? You didn't watch it over the well, weekend. Well, I was in Mexico. Oh, okay. It was in Mexico. But but are you planning on watching it? I mean, is this a – it's not the NFL. Yes. Yeah, I'll watch it. I'll give it a chance tomorrow. I watched some of the highlights from, from the weekend. Listen, I uh, – at this time of year, it's dark days. It is dark days. This will be my first weekend home following the football season, a whole day on Sunday. With nothing to do. With uh, uh, no football. So – I sometimes will watch games from the late 80s, early 90s, or I'll throw on like a 30 for 30 or a football life, those uh, backstories of NFL greats, NFL great stories. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a little thirsty for some football, so I'll, I'll pay attention. The only problem is I can't find a team to get behind. Really, I guess th- I guess that'll maybe I'll watch the games. This well, week you'll and determine. Then... And the thing is, there are plenty of personalities and names that you've heard of, like Bill Polian, former NFL general manager, um, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers safety Troy Polamalu is in the front office for the league. Executive J.K. McKay. All of these guys have names that are associated with the teams. the The players themselves, you you would have to be a super fan to actually know. Aaron Murray quarterbacks the Atlanta Legends. Christian Hackenberg. Uh, is the quarterback for the Memphis Express. They started at Georgia, starred at Georgia and Penn State, respectively. But after they get drafted, they don't stick. I was reading uh, an article about Luis Perez or Luis Perez. Luis? Mm-hmm. Not sure. Anyway, he apparently was signed by the Rams for a short time, but they let him go. He's from San Diego area, and he was a, a, a bowler, like a professional bowler or something, and then decided that he wanted to play football. And... It was it was his senior year of high school when he realized he wanted to play football. He was not on the team, and he'd played as a kid or whatever, but then stopped and then was watching a, a game on senior night and told his girlfriend at the time, Brenda, I, I want to play football again. And he set out to do that for the next seven years of his life, and now he is the quarterback of the Birmingham Iron, went 19 of 33 for 252 yards last week. Well, I think he the, learned how to play quarterback on YouTube. <laughs> now that I that's an amazing that's an amazing feat. That's like learning to fly an airplane uh, on Microsoft Simulator. But some of these guys, yes, and some of these guys, um, they're going to have really cool backstories like that. And, and, you know, maybe they weren't hey, good enough for. Uh, out of the eight teams, you're going to find a handful of guys that are going to be drafted by the NFL or are going to be picked up by the NFL. Mike Singletary coaches the Memphis team. Oh. So that's something to root for. There, you can root for them. I've never been to Memphis. Maybe I'll go to Memphis for a game. Of course you will. When we come back, Swamp Watch. Talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C., including why it is uh, the president decided to declare the national emergency after he signed the spending bill. Who's going to win and who's going to lose in all of this? That's all coming up on Gary and Shannon.
Unfortunately, breaking news out of Aurora, Illinois. This is about an hour and 20 minutes west of Chicago. There is a huge police presence and fire department presence responding to reports of an active shooter. This is at a manufacturing company in Aurora, Illinois, the Henry Pratt Company. They manufacture valves. It's, in a, it's an area just south, it looks like, of, uh, of the main area of downtown Aurora, Illinois. It's sort of a business park, if you want to call it that. That Henry Pratt Company is a very large building, and right around it, several other very large buildings that are sort of all in that manufacturing uh, world there. So we haven't seen much in terms of specific numbers. There was a number that you said five fatalities were reported. This but- is just coming from local dispatch reports on, um, from Twitter that, yes, that there were five people uh, shot. We don't know if the shooter um, has has been taken into custody if he is still inside if it is a standoff situation we just don't know but SWAT is on scene you can see uh, a huge police presence I mean I would say more than uh, a dozen black and whites outside several different ambulances and fire department apparatus as well all right that's about what we know so far if we do get more information or if they hold some sort of a news conference to brief the media we'll definitely take that to you again this is in uh, aurora illinois just west of uh west of chicago quite a ways but uh, it's in that area and again the company is called henry pratt company there in aurora all right uh big deal out of washington dc today they uh president Obviously signed the spending bill. The government's going to stay open through September 30th, it looks like. But he also signed a declaration of emergency in an attempt to shift billions of dollars so that he can build a wall along the border, add more wall along the border. Ali Rogan has been covering this story from Washington for us and for ABC News. Ali, uh, what is the uh, what is the likelihood that Democrats challenge this in court? I think it's 110 percent likelihood. Um, Democrats are likely to start issuing lawsuits immediately. I think everyone is still digesting the uh, details of the emergency declaration, but they have been preparing for this. Congress has also, Democrats in the House, are already moving on a resolution of disapproval that would condemn, criticize this emergency declaration without really having any teeth to prevent the president from uh, putting it into effect. That that measure is certain to pass the House, where Democrats are in control. In the Senate, there are upwards of 10 now Senate Republicans who may vote with all Democrats to condemn the declaration of this national emergency. So then President Trump might be in the position, unenviable position, of having to veto a bill Uh, supported by members of his own party uh, that attempt to check his own presidential authority. I don't think you'd have one problem with that. I don't think you'd have one problem with vetoing something that had Republican signatures on it. Yeah, I don't think he would. Yeah, the the Republicans, I think, are are concerned that if this does make its way to the Supreme Court and and the Supreme Court finds that the presidential power uh, is greater than the Congress's constitutional right to control the purse strings, then what does it mean when a Democrat's elected president and wants to do something that no Republican wants and he can just call an emer- or, or, or call for an emergency declaration and, and, and force something through? Exactly. That's the big concern that Republicans are talking about. Um, it actually kind of gives them an out not to have to comment on the merits of this national emergency. But what they're saying is that this could present a precedent that could then be put into place by future presidents 
from the Democratic Party. Senator Tom Tillis, Republican of North Carolina, put out a statement envisioning some of those scenarios. He said, what if a President Cory Booker declares a national emergency and begins seizing everybody's uh, guns, you know, gives a, a suspension, suspends the Second Amendment? Uh, that is a hypothetical, obviously, but that is the precedent that Republicans are concerned about setting. It's also worth noting that the president himself acknowledged that this may end up challenged as high up as the Supreme Court. And while the court is now made up of more conservative justices, that doesn't mean they're automatically going to be sympathetic to the administration's argument. This set of justices, especially those conservative ones, have typically been hostile to encroachments of uh, executive authority. They have in the past curtailed those efforts by President Obama and President Trump to expand their executive powers. So the fact that this goes to the Supreme Court, which now has at least two Trump appointees, does not mean it's 100 percent going to be upheld. And even if it is, though, let's not forget that this process could take years or excuse me, months, if not years. Awesome. All right, Allie, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Allie Rogan there with the latest uh, on the president's declaration and the signing of this bill and what Democrats are going to do about it, they say. Well, we are following very closely what's going on in Aurora, Illinois. This is about an hour and 20 minutes outside of Chicago, west of Chicago. There are reports uh, of multiple civilians shot, according to Fox News. And one reporter for Fox 32 News in Chicago, Elizabeth Matthews, is reporting that uh, there are multiple injuries reported, including possibly police officers um, as well. So this is a very active situation. You can see outside this manufacturing company, the Henry Pratt Company, that there are groups of who what appear to be SWAT officers or at least officers in tactical gear that are still outside of this building. I don't know if that means some are inside. I'm not really sure what, what how it goes down, but... It is a very active situation. And the, the language that they are using is that this is an active shooter situation. So I haven't seen any ambulances leaving either. They're no. lined up. They're all lined up there. One, two, three, four, five, at least five ambulances lined up. But they've got their lights flashing and they look like they're ready to go. But it makes you think that everyone's still inside. Well, we'll keep an eye on this, and uh, we'll come back and uh, cover this when we, when we return. Uh, again, this is a shooting in Aurora, Illinois, it appears. Uh, officials say that there is an active shooter situation at a warehouse, a, a business there, the Henry Pratt Company, big manufacturing business in a manufacturing area of that part of Aurora, Illinois. That's coming up next. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. Friday, it's February 15th. Uh, We would usually do Swamp Watch right now, but we are uh, following this ongoing active shooter situation that's been reported in Aurora, Illinois. This uh, police have said that they are responding to an active shooter, the FBI, Aurora Police Department, and now the Daily Herald, the newspaper in Aurora, says that there have been multiple, uh, multiple injuries reported at least one police officer may have been wounded. The suspected shooter, they said, was still at large 
in an industrial area just south of what would be downtown Aurora, Illinois. And, Carrie, ABC in Chicago is saying as many as four officers may have been shot. Yeah, the Daily Herald reports four Aurora police officers and multiple civilians wounded that the suspected shooter still at large. Um, that would explain uh, the massive police presence at what, as well. They have ordered all available ambulances to the scene in the area. There was a report I saw just as we were going towards the break that said that there have been some um, some patients that had been airlifted out of there, but in the helicopter shots that we've been watching from these Chicago pol- uh, television stations, I haven't seen any helicopters. Yeah, I- that's what the Daily Herald was reporting as well, that multiple victims are being airlifted to Advocate Good Samaritan Hospital, a level one trauma center in the area. Um, so this active shooter situation was reported just about, it would be about a half an hour ago, a little more than that, uh, was the original reports that came in from the city of Aurora. The the building that it was in, at least that they appear to be concentrating on, is the Henry Pratt Company, big manufacturing company. And it was uh, several injuries reported, as we've been saying. Victims have been taken to local hospitals, although we haven't seen any of that. What we have been seeing is helicopter shots from these Chicago television stations where you can see lines of officers going into. There's there's one uh, a few moments ago. This is a tape-delayed shot so as to not give uh, whoever might be inside watching the TV, not uh, to give them a heads up. But there was an armored vehicle parked right outside some double doors that would lead into the manufacturing facility and then a line of officers a single-file line running up towards the back of that vehicle. I don't know if they were going to try to get into the building or not, but they appeared to be getting ready to go inside there. SWAT teams from throughout the suburbs are being called into the scene. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives called to the scene as well. Police urging anyone in the area of Prairie and Highland, that's the closest intersection to shelter in place, and there's a number of schools in the area a uh, number of businesses, and uh, quite the residential sprawl that is right adjacent to this business park type. bunch of schools. You mentioned that the, so the schools that have been closed, um, the ones that are immediately around there have been put on a hard lockdown, according to an interview that I heard on one of the television stations. And then schools in the rest of the area, basically, almost through the entire city of Aurora, have been placed on what they were calling a, they referred to it as a soft lockdown. I don't know the exact details of that. There's a a truck repair shop that's right around the corner there, Irwin's Truck Repair. And there's a woman, Nancy, that says that she, uh, who works, she works there. She and three others are locked down inside the shop. She says, we have not heard from the police, but we can hear all the sirens. So I went and shut the front gate, locked all the doors. She said, there's got three people in here with me. There's four people in the building behind me, too. We're not seeing anything, but we're just trying to stay calm. This is uh, It's hard to get information out of here because we haven't seen a whole lot in terms of uh, any sort of police officer. Uh, there's been no news conference at this point. And again, it's still relatively early. I think this is still maybe even going on. I mean, they, they seem... Again, it's a tape delay we're seeing, but there's a number of SWAT officers outside the, yeah. the building. And they do say, at least uh, the, the Fox News Chiron says, that they are searching for an active shooter. Uh, Aurora Police Department, I've been checking uh, to see if they have updates on Twitter or even, I think it's the Kane County Sheriff, and I haven't seen anything from them that would say that this is over yet.
that they have, in fact, captured someone or killed someone. It does not look over. And again, there were reports that people were airlifted. Um, You can see the line of of ambulances there that look like they're just ready to zoom out of there and and into the hospital as soon as possible. But it doesn't look like there's anyone coming out of this place. And it's a big, huge building, you know, manufacturing plant. Yeah, and I do, it, this is just one of um, – you mentioned that this is surrounded by a bunch of homes, very, uh, you know, populated when it comes to just the residential area. But there are a handful of buildings in that specific block that are very, very large. So if whoever that did this was able to get out of that Henry Pratt company and get into one of these other buildings, it could be hours before they're found out. It's, if they you know right. hole up somewhere and, and are able to it's, hide in it's there, it's a huge area to to say that you've cleared when that does begin. Again, this is a, a report of a shooting at a manufacturing facility somewhere in Aurora, Illinois, outside of Chicago, and the reports from the Daily Herald, which is a newspaper there in Aurora, said that at least four officers and many civilians had been um, have been injured. That there were fatalities, but they don't have a number on it. And according to the police in Aurora, this is an ongoing active shooter situation with, like you said, dozens of police cars, just the normal black and white patrol units that you would see. But we've also seen a handful of what appear to be armored SWAT type vehicles that have shown up on scene as well. Not to mention the fire trucks, the ambulances, uh, the mobile command centers, all of those that have shown up as well. I saw Aurora. I thought, oh, not another shooting in Aurora. But thinking it was Aurora, Colorado. Oh, yeah. No, Aurora, Illinois. When we come back, we're going to try to get some more information, uh, check in with these uh, television stations in Chicago and see if we can get details about exactly what's been going on. Following this active shooter situation, Aurora, Illinois, a company called Henry Pratt Company. We'll bring you details when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, well, terrible news out of Aurora, Illinois, west of Chicago. The Daily Herald reporting four Aurora police officers, multiple civilians shot. The shooter is still at large. Shannon, they just announced on Fox that they have apprehended the suspect. Okay, so that is good news. Good news there. Shooter apprehended the the scene is a manufacturing company called the Henry Pratt Company, a big manufacturing warehouse in an industrial park, and it is littered with ambulances and fire trucks and black and whites and SWAT vehicles. The, uh, the place that they've been concentrating in terms of the visuals that we've been seeing from the Chicago television stations is uh, imagine a sort of a U-shaped building, and in the middle of the U is where the giant parking area would be. And that's where a lot of the uh, police officers have gathered, is in that area amongst the cars and some of the big rig trucks that are in that area to try to get into the building, it looks like. And there's there's a couple of armored vehicles that are right up next to what would appear to be a double door that leads into the building. ABC has a close-up of that double door, and it appears that a SWAT vehicle did ram it because it looks like a SWAT vehicle ran into it. Oh. Those doors are bent, uh, and, and it provides a bit of an opening in there. 
so you could squeeze in through through the opening. But. And then on just on the outside of that, depending on whoever went in, but just on the outside of that, it looks like there's a couple of dozen officers in full tactical gear ready to go in. But if they do have somebody that is apprehended, CNN is also now reporting that this shooter has been apprehended after an incident. Um, we don't know much. The Daily Herald is a newspaper out of Aurora, and it says that four police officers and multiple civilians have been wounded. Um, They haven't yet reported that this person has been apprehended, but there are at least a couple of others. Unconfirmed reports from some of the people who apparently were in the business or in other areas near that, that at least one person was dead. Multiple victims had to be airlifted to to a hospital in a place called Downers Grove. And the way that the city of Aurora put this out on Twitter was that it was an active shooter near Highland and Archer, the intersection where this building is. Aurora police were on the scene, but as we've seen, SWAT teams from around the west side of Chicago all swarmed to this area. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms had a unit that was headed out in that direction as well. And the FBI also says that they have been involved, at least in the uh, preliminary part of this. Local TV station reporting that uh, there was a witness that said it was a coworker. Um, and uh, Fox News spoke to a witness that says... The quote was, he was shooting everybody. Uh, Again, if he's been apprehended and they did report people being airlifted, I guess you could say it could have been much, much worse with those ambulances lined up that have not left that parking lot. Hopefully, uh, will we'll go unused. Uh, it's been well, a- although they, they are reporting now that the ambulance are starting to move into the area. So with the shooter apprehended, maybe that the scene has been cleared, cleared to the to point, point they that they can in. go in. Yeah. Now, the command staff, they do have a um, – the city of Aurora has mentioned that there's a location where they have set up a uh, command unit, command area. So at least there is a point where police officers are – communicating with the media on a regular basis so we may be able to get some more information as opposed to just you know random phone calls that these newsrooms have been able to make in to different buildings in there state police are on their way as well troopers from illinois state police district five have been headed in and i mentioned the fbi and atf have also sent agents and officers in there the uh, the police originally said that they were responding to this henry pratt company as we've been saying and the Police, the SWAT, ambulance, fire department, all of them. Basically, every – I saw this written earlier. Every fire department vehicle in the city of Aurora is now on the scene of this incident. That would include all of the paramedic vans, all of the fire engines, and all of the uh, ambulances that they employ. The schools in the area as well, West Aurora School District 129 said that all students are being held in place for their safety – after these reports, we don't know if that's going to change anytime soon with word that somebody has been apprehended. 18 schools in the district were all on lockdown. And then one of the witnesses that was in the area and works for a school district was saying that all of the schools in the entire city were on what was considered a soft lockdown. It seems like they told everybody in this city of Aurora to shelter in place. And you can understand why if you before they had the guy apprehended. This is a, a massive factory, which would be very hard to clear if they didn't know his whereabouts. And there are a number of homes just uh, a, a few blocks away. There's a whole residential area. 
But this is quite the large industrial park, and the fact that they were able to apprehend him. Again, this this happened about 2.20 local time, so about uh, 50 minutes ago is when SWAT and the first police vehicles descended on the scene so that they were able to apprehend him uh, this quickly is good. Uh, some of the hospitals in the area have reported that they received multiple patients at this time. We don't know the conditions of any of them at this point, but uh, the reports were that multiple civilians were shot, that at least four police officers were wounded in this as well, and there may be as uh, at least one civilian fatality is the way that they described it in the uh, the Daily Herald. John Probst is a guy who's talked to local ABC7 And he says that he ran out of the back door of this building, the Henry Pratt Company building, as the shooting unfolded. He works there, and he says that the shooter is a co-worker. He said he recognized the shooter, that he works at the company, and he said that the shooter had a, a pistol with a laser. And that he wasn't hurt, but that he saw another colleague bleeding pretty bad. The... Update as of just a couple of minutes ago from the city of Aurora, all caps, the shooter has been apprehended, but that the area right around this Henry Pratt company is still on lockdown. And the city and their Twitter account says that more information would be provided soon. That came out just a couple of minutes ago. Um, the, the active shooter a p- part of this appears to be over because the city, uh, a couple of different news agencies have now said that they believe that the shooter in this case has been apprehended Whatever that means, that could be that uh, they've just been stopped and uh, shot and killed or actually taken into custody. I still have not seen a lot of people going into the building. You mentioned that no. it looked like there was a SWAT vehicle that had rammed a couple of, a pair of uh, double doors. But I, I haven't seen any of the officers actually entering into the building unless they're going in some other direction. Looks like it was just an all-out rampage, though, with witnesses saying he was shooting everybody, uh, that it wasn't, you know, a couple people targeted. It looks like he uh, he wanted an all-out rampage. Well, we'll see all the damage that's been done as we follow this story and stay on top of all the details coming out of Aurora, Illinois. Again, this is a manufacturing plant where uh, a shooter apparently shot and uh, wounded at least four officers as well as a number of, of co-workers, civilians. We'll bring you the latest as we get the details. Gary and Shannon will continue. Oh, I can love you like that. I would make you my world. Move heaven and earth if you were my. Gary and Shannon, we got a thousand bucks to give away. Here's how you can win it. Win a thousand dollars right now. Text the nationwide keyword coffee to 200 200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's coffee to 200 200. If you win, you'll get a phone call, but you got another chance to win an hour from now during the John and Ken show. A chance through every hour. Through the first hour of the Conway Show, we're giving away a thousand bucks. Free movie Friday as well. Adam Tickets presents this, the best app to book your movie tickets. They want to hook you up with these tickets to see Isn't It Romantic? Now in theaters. A good new comedy starring Rebel Wilson, Leon Hemsworth, and Adam Devine. Text morning to Adam1 for your chance to win. M O R N I N G. Standard data and text message rates may apply. We've been telling you about this uh, story out of Aurora, Illinois. Police responded to uh, an active shooter situation just about an hour ago was when the first calls came in 
to the Henry Pratt Company, a big manufacturing facility in Aurora, Illinois. The reports now are that the shooter has been apprehended by police and FBI, that there are several people who have been shot and injured, including four police officers. One city official in Aurora says the four officers who were shot are stable. We are expecting a news conference from one of the nearby hospitals relatively soon to get an update on what's been going on. There are unconfirmed reports at least one civilian is dead and that multiple victims are being airlifted to a trauma one center nearby that they're also being taken to a Mercy Med Center in Aurora. A spokesman said that Mercy has activated an incident command center and is preparing to treat any shooting victims who may arrive ready to triage the situation. And as well, as far as the scene is concerned, police are conducting a building to building search of the area in case they find any other people injured. Again, this is a huge um, industrial park there where this Henry Pratt company, they make valves and such, uh, is located. We have been uh, watching the the police response there and literally the hundreds of law enforcement officers that have shown up from several different agencies, dozens of fire trucks, ambulances, paramedic units that are on scene as well. One of the witnesses that was said that he was in the building at the time, a guy named John Probst, talked with a TV station in Chicago, Channel 7, and said that it was a co-worker of his. He didn't give the name, but he said it was a co-worker that was responsible for all of this. 7 o'clock in the morning, and you saw him. It seemed like a normal work day. And yeah. then was there a lunch break at some point? And yeah, well, we get breaks, 10-minute breaks, and then lunch. And... So you work your 7, you come in at your 7 a.m. shift, and then what time's your day over? 3.30. 3.30. So this happened during his shift? Yeah. Okay. What did he do there? Uh, he was an assembler. Assembly? Is it? Is it an? Do you have an assembly line or are these? No, uh, just uh, you assemble valves one 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 at a time. Okay. Do you know, and I don't know that you have the answer to this, but would you know at some point would he have walked out to the parking lot to a vehicle and then came back? Um, like I say, I'm at the other end of the building. Okay. Uh, uh, Aurora, an Aurora resident, uh, this this uh, person, do you know, uh, did he live out there? Yeah, he lived in Aurora. Okay. So if he, you, you the said you were at the other end of the building from his work position? Well, no, he works just probably 80 yards from me, 80. I mean, he's, he's just... Oh, you saw him every day? Yeah, every day. But then at some point, he ended up closer to you during this in, the incident than, uh, than the 80 so, yards? So he, he walked by me when they, they went up to the front. He walked right, I'd say, within 20 feet. And I mean, going up the aisle. And then next thing I know, uh, from one of the other guys came running back and said that uh, he's talking. Open fire. Did he did he look at you when you when he walked by? No, I just went up front like when you go up uh, walk up front to the office or whatever. Why do you think you didn't get shot? Well, uh, because uh, he was up there upstairs, and when the guy came down and said something, and uh, as soon as we heard shots, we took off out the back door. Yeah, he had repeated that uh, that line. He'd been on a couple of different interviews, and that guy, John Probst, uh, this co-worker, says that he saw this guy 
and referred to him going up into the office or going up into the front to the office and then coming out and and shooting people. There was also reports from a couple of other witnesses in one of the newspapers there in Aurora that said they originally heard one big boom, like one gunshot, and then a pause, and then just several gunshots all in a row, rapid succession after that. That same guy, when he was talking to ABC7, said that the shooter had a pistol with a laser, a green laser that was coming uh, from the gun there, and that he did see another colleague bleeding pretty bad when he took off out the, the back door there. We've uh, been trying to follow this and get more information about exactly what goes on in this company. I mean, it, we, it's a manufacturing company. It's, uh, you know, like the, the witness was saying there, there's no real assembly line. It's just everybody's got their jobs and they're doing this. They provide pipe fittings and, you know, things like that. It's a giant building. I mean, it is a really yeah. large building to the point where there are uh, sections of the parking lot where a lot of these officers have been staging or had been staging while this was going on. It's it's big enough to hold several dozen probably big rig trucks and trailers in an attempt as they go out, uh, you know, picking up the product to go deliver wherever they're taking it to. So this is a giant building, and this guy referring to how far away he was or he sits on a regular basis from the gunman, he was talking about 80 yards away. Uh, so you think about how, how big a building it would take for you just to be that far away from one of your coworkers. Again, a shooting that happened uh, just after 2 o'clock local time there in Aurora, Illinois. It's now about 3.30 there. Four officers, at least four officers, have been wounded in this shooting. As the local news reports, they are stable at this point. Multiple other victims shot as well, taken to several area hospitals. The shooter has been apprehended. And as you heard there, he has been identified as a co-worker, um, currently employed there at the Henry Pratt Company. Whether it is uh, Kane County Sheriff or Aurora Police or whoever the lead agency is on this that will uh, hold the news conference, we'll make sure we bring it to you live. But for the for the most part, the city of Aurora basically says the whole area around Henry Pratt Company in this area of Aurora is still going to be on lockdown for some time, even though they do say that they do have the shooter apprehended out of an abundance of caution. They're not going to let anybody go anywhere, and some of the schools in the area have been locked down as well. Gary and Shannon. When it pulls you near, when it says the words you've been needing to hear, I wish I was him. Put those words of mine to say Shannon, it's Friday, February 15th, following the story out of Aurora, Illinois, west of Chicago. Uh, there was an active shooter situation about an hour ago at a big manufacturing company, a big, large-scale, infrastructure-size uh, water products, uh, valves and pipes and that sort of thing, at Henry Pratt Company. This company's been around for 120 years in this area of Aurora. The witnesses that were in the building at the time described this as a co-worker of theirs who showed up for work as normal at the 7 o'clock shift. And then uh, at some point after lunch, it would have been about, uh, what, about 2 o'clock? Yep. Uh, 2 o'clock 
Illinois time. And the end of the day was 3.30. So yeah, this was so they the were end of the work day. Very close to the end of the day. One of the uh, witnesses who was in the building said he saw this person get up and either walk towards the front or up to an office. It was hard to d- determine because he said it a couple of different ways. And then started shooting and came back and made his way through. Now, there were four officers, we understand, who were shot and multiple civilians. We don't have an official number on that. But that the officers, according to a city official in Illinois, uh, the officers are all in stable condition. Other victims as well. Uh, People have been airlifted. They've been taken to local hospitals. The hospitals have set up triage situations. We have not gotten any word on the condition of people. There is an unconfirmed report in the Daily Herald that uh, there was one civilian who died. But again, this shooter was seen as he opened fire, shooting with a, a pistol with a green laser emitting from it. We've seen, uh, needless to say, Aurora police are there. The Kane County Sheriff's Department is there. But the ATF and FBI sent agents and uh, officers from Chicago in. The U.S. Marshal Service has said that they have responded to this as well. And if they do, in fact, have this person apprehended, the first place they're going to go, obviously, is going to be his house. One of the witnesses was talking to uh, the NBC station, I think it's Channel 5 in Chicago, about what she had been seeing. And then my husband, he was telling me, did you hear that? It was shooting going on, and I thought it was just ice breaking. But then again, some more went, and then we went straight to the basement. But then we came back out. The whole street was just full of North Aurora, City of Aurora comps. Then the SWAT team shows up, they all have their shields on, and then we saw that they carried out the first officer, but we were just getting close every little bit at a time because we were afraid they would shoot again. When they took them out, the other officers, I don't know if it was the city of Aurora or North Aurora, well, they carried them physically. It was three other officers. They were bringing out their brother. We were just trying to see if another shootout would happen or something so we could run to our basement. I don't think I've I don't think I've ever seen that many of those armored vehicles come into a situation like this this quickly. Well, I think that if the officers who first arrived on scene reported that this guy was firing at officers, SWAT, all hands on deck, is there immediately. Did we figure out how far away this is from Chicago? It from is like about the... 40 miles, uh, about an hour and 20-minute drive. Because that, I mean, those guys those guys absolutely flew if they are, in fact, from the deeper inside Chicago to get to where they are. Um, there were a couple of those armored vehicles we mentioned very close up to the building. And you're right, as as the... Cameras zoomed in on that double door that appeared to be sort of in the loading dock area. It was banged in. It was like one of these uh, armored vehicles did try to crash into that door. There are a number of ambulances still with the flashing lights lined up outside that building. I'm believing that they may have just continued to clear the building, make sure there's no more injured inside that haven't been tended to, and they're just kind of standing by. But never really saw the ambulances leaving the area. I mean, as CNN and Fox News have had cameras on this thing since uh, about two thirty. Uh, yeah, and they, and we haven't seen any of them leave. Although no. the the hospitals in the area say they are treating multiple they gunshot had, wounds. Right, and that they had people airlifted out of there. So, um, you can only hope, I guess, that they were airlifted out before we had an opportunity to put our eyes on all right. of this. The Aurora Police Department is expected to hold some sort of a news conference to update everybody on what's been going on. 
the uh, the lockdown, the schools that had been in the lockdown uh, just reported that they got word from police and other law enforcement that they can lift their lockdowns. There was a bunch of people and uh, parents of children who go to school in the area said that they weren't getting a whole lot of information from their school districts about what was going on, which, I mean, doesn't make it, it makes perfect sense. I mean, the people in the schools are busy making sure that the kids were safe and following the lockdown procedures as opposed to getting their information out there. But we've um, we've heard that the schools that were on lockdown throughout Aurora have been told that they can lift the lockdown because they believe that the suspect in this case has been apprehended. ATF on the scene, FBI on the scene, as well as uh, all, all the local authorities, as you can imagine. And they are expecting to have uh, some sort of press availability, some sort of update that we're standing by for. Um, they're saying it could happen at any moment. So we'll take a break uh, and hopefully have that for you when we come back. Gary and Channel will continue in just a moment. Gary and Shannon, it's Friday, February 15th. We'll get back to our coverage here of what's been going on in Aurora, Illinois. A uh, active shooter situation from about an hour and a half ago is when it started at a manufacturing company, the Henry Pratt uh, Company. They're in Aurora, Illinois. There were at least four police officers that have been injured in this and multiple civilians, although... We have not uh, heard any confirmation if anyone was killed. There was a report from the newspaper in Aurora, the Daily Herald, that one person was killed. But, again, no confirmation from that. No word yet on the timing of any sort of a law enforcement briefing on any of this. The city of Aurora says that all four of the police officers who were injured in this are in uh, are considered stable right now. There are unconfirmed reports, according to the Daily Herald, that at least one civilian is dead. We know that multiple people were airlifted, um, which which means that the situation was not good. Uh, two people are being treated for non-life-threatening emergencies at a medical center there in Aurora. Patients were also taken to uh, Mercy Med Center in Aurora as well. They have activated an incident command center and preparing to treat anybody who may arrive. Police are still going through that that building to building search of the area to see if more people are injured. There are ambulances still standing by on the grounds. This is a huge industrial park complex. There's a lot of room to clear. There's many people at work there when this unfolded just after 2 o'clock local time. Not uh, good news that one of the reports is that the coroner, the county coroner there in Kane County is expected to respond to the scene. So we can uh, deduce from that the assumption that uh, at least one person was killed, like you mentioned. The um, the gunman has not yet been identified, although some of the witnesses had said that it was, in fact, a co-worker who just showed up for work normally at the 7 o'clock beginning of shift, and it was close to about... It would have been about 1.45 uh, Chicago time or Illinois time that they started shooting. And according to a couple of different reports from workers there, the person, whoever it was, was apprehended about an hour after the shooting. And there were reports, uh, along with those who were injured, that this shooter went on the run afterwards and was brought down, maybe even by federal agents that were responding, because we know the FBI, ATF, and U.S. Marshals had all responded as well. 
and we don't know yet. There was uh, the last indication just a couple of minutes ago was that maybe this person was neutralized. Well, that's very different than saying that that gunman was apprehended. Yeah, neutralized means shot and killed. Usually, Usually. yeah. So we'll have to wait to hear more details on that. Again, we have not gotten an exact time for the briefing, but they do say the press conference is uh, forthcoming at any minute. The witness that has been speaking to different media outlets, John Probst is his name, says that this was a guy that he saw every day at work. He worked about 80 yards away from John working in assembly. This is what happens in this manufacturing plant. They put together valves. And he said that he saw the shooter uh, go up to the front, maybe to the office, and then shortly after start opening fire. He ran out the back door. He saw one of his coworkers was bleeding heavily. He reported that the shooter had a pistol with a green laser uh, attached to it. Yeah, the the description was that uh, this guy comes running down, bleeding bad. The next thing you know, he's walking back and forth, heard more shots, and then that's when a bunch of people decided it was time to leave the building for good, and that's when they ran out. When we first saw the images, first saw the uh, the reports of this, you could still see people running out of the buildings, and that's uh, that was just as all of the law enforcement officers were arriving on the scene and it looked like multiple armored vehicles that had shown up onto the scene, including one that tried to ram its way into a couple of doors, a couple of uh, double doors that were out in sort of a loading dock area that either they were attempting to break the glass in the doors or take the doors down so that uh, somebody could get inside. And from what we saw, there were not a lot of officers that went in. Of course, we didn't see it immediately when it started, and we don't know exactly the first ones on scene if they were able to get into the building and take this guy out or at least force him out into the open and make him run away. So all of that stuff will be uh, hopefully explained once we see, uh, once we get an update from police. The schools that were on lockdown, have uh, those lockdowns have all been lifted. And the, the area around this industrial park, even though it is still full of police and fire vehicles, it's uh, they're being told people who were, were being told to shelter in place have been told that they can move about safely now just to be aware of the fact that there's going to be cops and firefighters and paramedics in their faces for the next several hours as they uh, continue to investigate this. Aurora, not a not a big place, a suburb, obviously, about 200,000 people there. They do have a, a special response team for the Aurora Police Department there. They have a, a special Response team consisting of 24 members trained in high-risk warrant service, detailing, uh, dealing with excuse me, barricaded suspects, hostage rescue, things of that nature. But, yeah, it looked like multiple uh, SWAT teams did respond. And, and that's just the response you're going to get when someone's opening fire on police officers. It'll be interesting to see how this all rolled out if, if, if the first officers took, took on fire there as they uh, got the first shots called uh, dispatch. We uh, we know that the governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, has been briefed on this. He has gone to Twitter and said that I'm monitoring the shooting. I'll encourage all residents to follow the directives of their local law enforcement. The senator from Illinois, Dick Durbin, said that his heart breaks for Aurora. CNN is reporting that the president has also been briefed on the shooting and is monitoring the situation. So at this point, um, it says, according to a Fox reporter in Chicago, that the police would give an update at 330 Aurora time, which would be about uh, 35 minutes away from now. So maybe we'll get an update during the John and Ken show. 
Yeah. 4.30 local time, so their time. Now, the thing about the story of Washington, D.C., the big story from today, of course, was that the president signed the spending bill to put money into the government and keep it open through September, also declaring that national emergency so that he could get border wall funding. We also found out just a few minutes ago, special counsel Robert Mueller's team has sat down and interviewed Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Interesting. Not a, not not wild. I mean, not crazy because she's obviously been close enough to the president that they would have an interest in speaking to her. She said in response to a question from CNN, quote, the president urged me like he has everyone in the administration to fully cooperate with the special counsel. I was happy to voluntarily sit down with them. One of the, the final interviews, it's a, it is expected because there has been a lot of talk about Mueller finally wrapping up his investigation. So all of that and more coming up on the John and Ken show. Hey, we have a couple of uh, tickets. We're going to give away four pack of tickets to the L.A. Travel and Adventure Show. All you have to do is be caller number six to 1-800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. Yeah, Caller number call. six. Come on, it's time, time to call. call. Let's call. Yeah. Going to win a four-pack of tickets to the annual L.A. Travel and Adventure Show tomorrow and Sunday, two days only at the L.A. Convention Center. And and you can win a trip for two to Switzerland, courtesy of Switzerland Tourism, Swiss International Airlines, and Eurobound. Just go to the website, kfiam640.com, to enter. Remember the L.A. Travel and Adventure Show tomorrow and Sunday. You can buy discounted tickets if you don't win them. At LATravelShow.com. Again, an update from the scene in Aurora coming up in about a half an hour. John and Ken next. But we also have these movie tickets. How about that? Free Movie Friday. Adam Tickets, best app to book your movie tickets. They want to hook you up with tickets to see Isn't It Romantic? Now in theaters. Hilarious new comedy starring Rebel Wilson, Liam Hemsworth, and Adam Devine. Text morning to Adam1. For your chance to win, A-T-O-M-1, standard data and text message rates may apply. John and Ken up next. See you Monday. Stay driving. Now is the time and wherever you are is the place. The Citadel makes it easier to earn your degree by offering master's degrees, graduate certificates, and undergraduate degree completion programs that are entirely online. Flexible scheduling makes these programs convenient for working professionals. Online classes are held to the same high standards that consistently name the Citadel the number one master's granting public college in the South. The Citadel. Online, on your time. Visit citadel.edu slash online.